So if you meet another Tibetan from a different part, can you <laughs> communicate? No. <laughs> Welcome to Mosaic of China, a podcast about people who are making their mark in China. I'm your host Oscar Fuchs. From Belgian beer last week, we switched today to Tibetan yaks with today's guest Dan Majid. You'll hear how I forced Danmar to become an unofficial spokesperson for all things Tibetan in this episode. So a big thanks in advance to Danmar for managing this so well. Also in advance, keep your ears open for when Danmar mentions Shanghai Jiao Tong University in our conversation, because that's the same university where I'm currently studying my masters. I mention this because I was complaining about writing my thesis in the intro to episode eight of season two with Yovana Zhang, and a few of you have since then been asking about what I'm studying. Well, it's called a Masters of Modern Chinese Studies, which is the only course of its kind in China. It's a blended syllabus incorporating history, philosophy, literature, and linguistics. It's taught in English. And my history professor Zhang Jiuyun, who featured in episode three of the season, has just let me know that the deadline for scholarship applications for the next intake is the end of March 2021. So I figured I'd do some free advertising since I've really enjoyed the course. If you're interested, you can find more details by just searching anywhere for Shanghai Jiao Tong University Masters of Modern Chinese Studies, and I'd love to know if anyone out there applies. Okay, enough of that. Let's get back on track and talk about yak. Well, thank you so much, Dan Majid. Danma, you are from a very interesting part of China, aren't you? Yes.、Uh, so I'm from、uh, northwestern part of China,、uh, Gansu Province, a Tibetan area in Gansu, two hours away from Landu City. So it's kind of pretty close to Gannan Prefecture. Uh, yeah, it's just a very nomadic area. Well, before we move on to our conversation today, tell me what object did you bring that, in some way, describes your life here in China? Well, I brought my yak milk soaps. This is the business I'm working on at the moment. Okay, well, let me have a look. Ooh. Okay, so you've got three different soaps here, right? Yes. Okay, so I see the yak logo immediately. Yeah. Explain what the product is itself. So these soaps are made、uh, in my hometown in Gansu, the Tibetan area, and we use、uh, yak milk to make these products. Right. And the purpose of using yak milk is like yak milk is a main consumption in Tibetan life. Most of families in the local area are like herding、uh, animals. Uh, so this yak milk is very readily available. So that's why, like, we also support local women to make yak milk soaps、uh, by using yak milk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the yak is just this animal that's so emblematic of the Tibetan plateau, right?、Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was little, like my grandparents herding livestock and、um, especially yaks, and we have sheep just running around, and the environment is so like open grassland. All yaks have、uh, names. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so we also like、um, each families they use different colors、uh, to make earrings for yaks, so they can、uh, distinguish like which belong to which family. Okay, you know I'm going to have to ask you for a photo of a yak wearing earrings now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can provide one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. These are obviously the yaks that are being herded. Are there wild yaks too? 
yes, there are some, not a lot. Uh, families are willing to offer yaks for mountain gods,、mm. so they are free. It's it's basically says like belong to the mountain gods, right? So they can be anywhere they want to be. Yeah. So your family originally were yak herders. Like, how many yaks did your family have? It used to be like around two hundred yaks,、mm. and、uh, recently they tried to reduce. And I think like also because the grassland overgrazing, and people agreed to minimize the number of livestock.、Uh, they they think it's very important to protect the environment as well.、Mm. Uh, Plus, it's very hard to remember two hundred names. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, it was true. Like very hard to remember which one lost. You know, too many. These days, they just like take photos of each yak, and then they just when they check, oh, they say, oh yeah, this one lost.、Uh, you know, they remember it. And also, the good thing is like WeChat is so popular, and they have all these groups. And when they lost the yaks, they just send the photo, and <laughs> other people see, they will just tell you. Oh right,、yeah. I saw your yak down in、yep. that valley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> funny. So, talking about then the produce. So, anyone who's been anywhere near the Tibetan Plateau will know about yak milk. It is ubiquitous, right? It's、mm. everywhere.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what role does yak milk play in your life up in Gansu? Well, yak milk is、uh, main consumption. So, we drink yak milk tea a lot when people visit or you go to someone's house. Like they always offer you butter tea and yak milk tea. So. I think a yak milk tea plays a very important role because that how community building the connection and spending time with each other. And but these days, like you know, people drink tea but like don't talk much, you know, because <laughs> they are playing on the phone a lot. You、right. know, it's just the change、uh, happens like enormously. Is there a market for yak milk in China? Um. Not much, actually.、Mm. Uh, but Tibetan yak milk is really, really like、uh, superior than other milks.、Uh, I mean, I also did all kinds of research, and、uh, even like compared with camel milk,、uh, it's so interesting because yak milk has like all kinds of nutritions. Like there are so many. We used to use yak milk as a face cream because like yak milk is so rich、uh, and、uh, like very creamy. Mm. Uh, very good for the skin,、mm. and especially like cracking skins, like they use like yak milk to heal. That's why, like we think, yak milk is really good for soap. So, how does that process work? Is that something which is a traditional thing that you used to do before, or is it entirely new?、Mm. For the community, this is very entirely new idea.、Mm. Uh, so. This skill is like we also got from an、uh, American couple. They have a soap project, so they always teach around the world about making soaps. Right.、Um, so I emailed them and then explained myself, and they came. So they spent a month in the village and taught women how to make soaps. All of these soaps, like we try to use lo- local resources, like、uh, local herbs and. Finding alternative resources to、uh, to use in soap rather than just、uh, buy from Taobao. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So what what actually is the setup that you have in the village? There are not many big machines. Like I mean, it's still like kind of a medium、uh, level.、Um, the purpose of this business is we want to. Create more jobs for people, so that's why we don't have big machines to replace people. Right.、Uh, just the blenders, 
to mix in the oils and we also have a soap cutter. So it's just all like menu operated machines. Yeah. And like, did you have to build a building or what was, where, where is oh. it? <laughs> we studied uh, the, the business uh, just at home and then we registered the business and lots of stuff like happened, you know. And I feel like I didn't able to sell actually. 2015, we start like kind of like experiment stage. And uh, we were like not that confident. We, we felt like our soaps are not ready for sale. Like we would keep doing, doing like, you know, the women start like losing interest. And that was a big, uh, difficult time, yeah, yeah. you know. Local level people are more realistic. It's a, It's not always good way to really talk about big ideas you know mm. like you have the mission and all these things it doesn't work <laughs> you know and ended up having two women stayed with me but it's it's a great way to being creative like because of soaps like you can make different colors different shapes you know whatever they they would like to do you know it's just like they really enjoyed it that's why like uh they wanted to stay uh, so 2016, three of us like studied from like s- selling to friends, like <laughs> you know some friends like running businesses in Lhasa. So we asked them like whether they can take the soaps, and then they start to sell, and we start like you know gained a little confidence on that. Actually, like we were like thinking too much about the soap, like not thinking about the sales, you know. But after that selling, then we felt like, oh, actually, you know, some soaps like we like it, but not necessarily the customer likes. Especially like uh, colors and the flavor, uh, r- really interesting. Like some soaps we really didn't like, but like the customers liked it a lot. For <laughs> so example, we, so we had like a pink clay, a soap made uh, with pink clay. So we feel like, oh, it's the, not that soft, but like people really liked it because it really good for scrubbing dead skin mm. and also like uh, detoxing you know clay is really good for detoxing also like we put lavender we feel like not that happy about lavender but like people like it you know so we had to continue to make it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's so interesting that's why like uh, slowly got back on the track right yeah and then today like what is the setup now now, like, we have 12 women, and nice. we also moved to a primary school in the village. Oh, the primary school? Yeah. So the school was run down for many years. Ah. So that's why the government said, like, we, we can use the space. Nice. And uh, we want the community to use the space as well. Who is your market? Uh, in the past, like, um, most are foreigners. Mm. But, like, uh, this year, so we also want to focus on the Chinese markets as well. You know, it's yes. the more Chinese are, like, prefer the natural products. So that's something, like, we really want to focus on. And let's talk about this packaging, because I can see on the packaging that you have some Tibetan writing as well, which I love. And th- this, obviously, is the language that is your first language, right? Yes. So... Tell me about Tibetan language. Like, does it have any similarities at all to Mandarin? No similarities. Right. Yeah, yeah, a different language. And uh, uh, there are three main dialects, uh, Amdo, Kam, Ursong. I speak Amdo dialect. Okay, yeah. and the other two are where? Kam is in Sichuan and, yeah. And, and Ursong is, like, in central Tibet. Right, yeah. I see. Yeah. So if you meet another Tibetan from a different part... 
Can you communicate? <laughs> no, <laughs> sadly. Oh wow! Yeah, people who studied can speak more in academic way. Uh, people can understand each other, but like if we speak in dialects, like really, really difficult to understand. Even my language is Amdo, but like when I speak like my own dialect from the village, is also hardly to understand. Yeah. The next village, uh, uh, wow. other parts of、uh, Amdo area. Yeah. So, and we've talked about your village. What, what's it called? Dechin. Dechin. Ah,、uh, okay. Dechin village. And in terms of other differences you have between different parts of the Tibetan plateau,、uh-huh. what other differences are there? Different areas have their own customs. In my hometown, like you know, they have like coral and conch. Conch. Yeah, conch. Right. Conch and a coral, like like from the sea. Yeah, from sea. <laughs> so, so I don't know, like why, like you know, we are far away from the ocean, like、uh, so interesting, you know. Especially they make necklace and、uh, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Right.、Yeah. Because from what I know about that kind of lifestyle is because you were nomadic, you had to carry your valuables with you. So I'm guessing, like, if you had something made out of coral from many miles away. That would be very valuable, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> But you don't know. I don't、right? know. I don't know. Probably you are right. But here we are in Shanghai, so you're living here now. Yes. So what was that decision? Uh, a tough decision. But like, I mean, I like、uh, so many opportunities here,、uh, especially like as a businesswoman. Right, because、and、your your market would basically be here. Yes,、mm-hmm. in Beijing and Shanghai, so it's easy for me to travel between the cities.、Mm. Uh, and also, like, I start making friends in Shanghai, and、um, yeah, I'm kind of like well connected slowly, <laughs> connect to the community. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I have this idealized image of the plateau with the big sky、mm. and no people. Yeah. And I imagine you here in Shanghai with millions of people. <laughs> like, how do you cope? Well. <laughs> It's just I have to take a month to recover every time I come back to Shanghai. Right.、Um, especially on the subway train, I feel like oh, just like、yeah. too many people. I feel like、uh, just not that motivated to go out,、mm. and it would take about three weeks to recover <laughs> until、mm. I feel comfortable to go out. Yeah. yeah. I I still do my chanting every morning. What's that? Uh, so morning chanting, like you know,、uh, I have a mantra book, and every morning I do my chanting.、Mm. Yeah, wherever I go, like you know, I just like、uh, automatically just chant. Yeah. Well, I love that we have our conversation about today, and then we can talk about your past and your childhood back in Gansu. How did you get to where you are now? I finished my middle school and then I went to、uh, English training program in Qinghai. That program really changed my life.、Mm. And and Qinghai, that's the neighboring province, right? Yes.、Gansu. Yes.、Mm. Uh, Qinghai Normal University. That's how I learned my English. So after that, I graduated from、uh, the program. Then I also worked for different、uh, international companies、uh, in Shangri-La,、uh, Chengdu. Then I applied for the university because I always wanted to do something different, especially about the some subjects like hardly to find in China. So that's why, like, I just say looking to overseas. I met some Australians in Shangri-La, and they recommended the university for me, and applied for it, and got in. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So that was when you went to Australia. Yes. 
And it was when you were in Australia that you did that TED Talk. And that's what I have seen on YouTube. I think you're too embarrassed to watch it yourself these days, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> but yeah. tell me about what I saw on that TED Talk. Well, I was just talking about the water project I did in my village um, because that was like back in 2008 um, when I was doing my English training program at university. In my hometown, like winter is really challenging because all the water frozen, right? Uh, and uh, right. really hard to get water for people and livestock. They had to go different areas to search water. Most of the water is just uh, like small rivers from the spring, just very like unstable in winter time. Mm. Also, women spent lots of time just like carrying water, fishing water. And uh, I feel like about like maybe something I can do with it use pipes to carry the water from spring all the way to each household. Like there will um, benefit 60 families, including a primary school. So mm. that can be about 200 people. So I wrote a grant proposal and uh, supported by my teachers at the English training program. After a year, it actually took a year to, to be funded. And uh, surprisingly, they funded by uh, exchange program at uh, Jiao Tong University in Shanghai. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, we got the the grant, uh, like you know, uh, a lot of money that time. But the problem is, like at the beginning, was like not many people believed in me. I can do that. Yeah, yeah, because you're pretty young now. Like, how young would you have been back then? Uh, I was 19. I think probably. I was too young <laughs> and they think like, how come like I can find that much uh, big amount of money, right? Yeah. I, I guess, long story short, you mm -hmm. you made these pipes, right? Yeah, yes. Uh, so it took uh, two years to complete oh. uh, the project. It was uh, quite a lot and we, we did a really good job. This is while you were still studying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so every weekend I just go home and I just check the project. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now like uh, the local water bureau, the, uh, they took over the project and they are looking after the whole project. So it's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking about you being from that village, right? Uh huh. That must have been a big risk, right? Uh yeah. I mean pressure from my family as well because they don't want me to say anything about that because they feel like I'm I'm giving false promise. <laughs> like yeah. Right, yeah. right. So yeah. if you come in saying, Hey guys, I'm gonna do this but then <laughs> if you fail that yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my parents are like very worried about it because people would say to them, not me. So <laughs> And they have to be yeah. your spokesman, right? Yes. <laughs> So that's why like, my parents are not that happy that time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, what is next for you then? Do you have b big projects with the soap or do you have other ideas? The soap business will continue, uh, you know, to grow. And we also hope like more local women, especially younger ones can join us. Like, you know. Mm. Yeah. But I guess this is part of your project, right? Because you're yeah. empowering the women in yeah. your project now. Yeah. We we just say, you know, have a financial independence. Yeah. And uh, we want to say this is, uh, you know, <laughs> reducing gender inequality. Yeah. You know, it's automatically, you know, it's just like women can come to uh, the soap production area, like space. They just uh, spend time with each other and make soaps. 
And ultimately, like you know, the their husband at home do the most of our housework. Oh, you that's know? great. <laughs> so, so it's just like you, some things like not need to really be that clear. You know, it's just like interconnected. Yes. You know. Yes,、yeah. it's like it's very organic. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just create a different situation, and then equality just seeps in somehow. Yes. Yes. And. For bigger picture, like we want to become a natural cosmetic company, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Danma. Thank you. Let's move on to part two. Sure. So the ten questions. Are you ready? Kind of. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> These questions are hard. They seem easy, but they're hard, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Question one: What is your favorite China-related fact? Uh, I would say my hometown. <laughs> Mm. The whole area, the region is like very famous for white yaks.、Oh. Uh, so our yaks are all white, and no other Tibetan、uh, areas have that. <laughs> so sometimes they just try to take some white yaks to the areas.、So、like、uh, I've seen them. <laughs> I saw a white yak in northern Yunnan province. Yeah, but that was probably from your area. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, so we have like a white yaks, and not many Tibetan areas have it. Right. Yeah. Do you have a favorite word or phrase in Chinese? I would say, "Ah,、uh, 四海为家 Okay, 四海 is like the four seas. Yeah, 为家 means like make your home. Okay, so four seas like home. Hmm. Okay. Wherever you travel to is your home, because like、uh, I want to be a traveler as well. You know. Um. And also, I have to because of work. I have to live in Shanghai as my home.、Right. That will make me feel more comfortable <laughs> to live here. Lovely. When someone asks me where is home,、mm. I don't quite know how to answer. So、yes. maybe I'll just say Shanghai Weijia. Yes. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Next, what is your favorite destination within China? Uh, I really like uh Lhasa, Central Tibet. Yeah. Um. When I went to Lhasa, like I really like the the style and made me feel like really connect to the the culture. Yeah. 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 I would love to go to Lhasa. <laughs> If you left China, what would you miss the most, and what would you miss the least?、Mm. I really missed about Tibetan food, momo. What's that? Momo is similar to dumplings, but like、uh, we also have like steamed momo. Like,、uh, yeah, it's really special. So, like manto, is it? Yeah, mental, but like also like inside you have the feelings. Like、yeah. what? Like、uh, uh, yak meat. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> yak I meat. knew it. Yeah, <laughs> yak meat and、uh, herbs sometimes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What about what would you miss the least? Snow. Snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just so yeah. Tell me about snow when you were growing up. Then, like, what was it really like? We got like heavy snow, and、uh, sometimes it would take a week. Just melt, and then keeps snowing. Then sometimes just like a month, like、yeah. you know, the road is all blocked. And yeah.、Um, yeah. Next question: Is there anything that still surprises you about modern life in China? Yes, a lot.、Yeah. <laughs> in my village, like people also like following all kinds of social medias. They also buy all kinds of stuff like from Taobao and Pinduoduo. You know, all these apps. And the quality delivery person would send to us, like to our 
soap production space because that is more convenient for them rather just uh, you know go eat household because uh, in nomadic area like uh, they all live far away from each other right right so our place become a collection area so so sometimes like the families would ask us to bring to them you know oh bring my parcel bring my parcel <laughs> you know so right yeah. because i guess that is the most prominent address in the whole village right no, the delivery person lazy. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, he doesn't want to travel each household. <laughs> he would just uh, like drop everything at our place. Yes. Yeah. Where is your favorite place to go to eat or drink or hang out? And I guess that could be here in Shanghai or it could be in your hometown or anywhere you've lived in China. I really like uh, Charu in Chengdu. Oh, what's so that? So Charu is a Tibetan uh, co-working space uh, in Chengdu. If you ever go there just to visit them. Yeah. I really like it there because like you often see like people you know, <laughs> just running into people you know, and uh, it's just nice to just hang out and uh, have a cup of coffee, yak milk. Nice. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Yak milk coffee. <laughs> yes. How does that taste? Uh, tastes really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't believe good. you. <laughs> <laughs> you can give it a try okay. if you ever go to Tendu. Probably okay. I'm so used to yak milk. Yeah. <laughs> Next. What is the best or worst purchase you have recently made in China? Well, uh, I bought a jacket and then the color was not right. Mm. Uh, quite different from the picture. Mm. Uh, I tried to return back and the guy said, oh, you just uh, chose this color. And then I put a comment. I said, the color is quite different from the actual picture. Mm. And then the guy replied to me immediately he said delete your comment and i will let you to return back <laughs> so did you do that no i also accidentally took off the tag so yeah so now you have that jacket still yes it's a big <laughs> lesson <laughs> i'm gonna yeah. ask you for a photo of that jacket yeah <laughs> what is your favorite wechat sticker okay i'm having a look now cute mm. i sent like a little happy monk <laughs> Oh, he's a Buddhist monk. Yeah, Buddhist monk. Of course he is. Yeah, I should yeah. have got that by the clothing. <laughs> That's yeah. nice. What's your go-to song to sing at KTV? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been to KTV for so many years. Maybe it's because you don't drink alcohol. Is that right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> that probably. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But maybe if you drink enough yak milk, you'll get some kind of high. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And finally, mm. what other China-related media or sources of information do you rely on? Um, I mean, WeChat is a big uh, main source yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, I use it a lot, and uh, but also like uh, WeChat, like recently has like channels. I really like that mm. because like I feel like um, my WeChat friends like something, then I can also receive the similar right. yeah, feed. So that's that's so interesting. And yeah, that's a new thing. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Danma. Thank you. Just having had this conversation, I can tell how in Shanghai you're a certain version of yourself and then mm. when you go home, you're a certain version, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> well, the only thing I have to ask you now is, out of everyone you know in China, who would you recommend that I interview for the next season of Mosaic of China? Uh, I would highly recommend Dorji. Ah, uh, Dorji. Yeah. So Dorji, he runs another social enterprise uh, in Qinghai Xinin. So he's also like a community leader and uh, he does all kinds of like uh, work that 
really connect with the community. So I really want him to be on the on your program. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to meet him. And d- does he live there or does he come to Shanghai? He as lives well? in Shanghai. Okay. Yeah. I hope that I can go and see him. Thank you so much, Danma. Thank you. Well, I still haven't been to Lhasa since recording this episode with Danma, but I have been to Gansu, and I highly recommend it. We timed it a little late, and by the time we reached the Tibetan part in the south, it had become unseasonably cold. So we didn't stay there long enough, unfortunately. But anyway, go to the transcript of this episode on mosaicofchina.com, where I've posted a link to the video we made there, and I'll see if there's a way I can also share it on Facebook and WeChat. You'll also be able to find all the other images there that Danma shared with me, including photos of her family, the costumes from her village, the white yaks wearing earrings, and of course the process of making the soaps. To order the soaps internationally, go to yakmybody.com, and in China there is a WeChat mini program which I'll post too, where the whole store has been discounted by nine percent on all purchases made by March the nineteenth, twenty twenty-one. Just place your order there, and the discount will appear automatically upon checkout. As with every episode this season, there is an extra ten to fifteen minutes of content if you subscribe to the Patreon page. Here are a few clips from today's episode. I lived in the tents when I was little, like, but now people say tents is too inconvenient. <laughs> the children raised by like community members or grandparents. We use a juniper to like have that purification、uh, ceremony. They also wanted to have modern conveniences themselves, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah.、Uh, yeah. Conflict. Yeah. There's a conflict there,、yeah. right? Every season you move to a new place, you have different neighbors. Danma represents the first tile in the mosaic of China, who is from one of the 55 officially recognized ethnic minorities in China. So interviewing her made me realize that there's still such a lot of diversity to uncover in future series. I also really appreciated having an episode with a heavy focus on one animal, the yak. It reminds me of one of the most popular episodes from last season, which was episode 14 with Emily Madge. Who talked about her work in transporting a couple of beluga whales from an aquarium in China to a semi-wild sanctuary in Iceland? So be sure to check out that episode if you haven't heard it yet. Mosaic of China is me, Oscar Fuchs, with artwork by Denny Newell. After the credits, there is a catch-up chat with Gina Lee from season one, episode six, who also hails from Gansu Province. And I'll be back again next week. Hello, Gina. Hello, you. You make me smile whenever I see you, which、I'm、is never changed. Yes, <laughs> and you are one of the people from season one who, like me, have been stuck here in Shanghai most of the time. Exactly. I think probably over a year already. Oh yeah. 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 So I have actually seen you quite a few times, especially just on the street. You were everywhere. <laughs> like I just to see you everywhere. Whenever I was like, "Am I gonna see Oscar?" Yeah, here you go. Yes. <laughs> well, the reason I've brought you in today, especially,、yep. is to record this little update chat. Yes. So we did our original recording. Oh gosh, it must be now almost two years ago. We obviously had the COVID situation, but、yes. your life was changing even before that, wasn't it? Exactly. Like after we recorded, I was just like that. 
to be the delegate of Chinese innovator, uh, represent China, go to APEC. I went to Chile. I have seen a lot of people from the world. It's an Asian Pacific uh, economy conference. It's like meant to be the 21 countries around the Asian Pacific. The really um, interesting thing is uh, there are certain bits of like political influence of you know, like certain countries versus China, there are some different opinion. So there will be like very blunt like questions to ask you about the very sensitive questions that you try not to answer. <laughs> uh, and also, yeah, like it's just the, the total like atmosphere and the thing start to make you review on does people care about you from China or people care about who you are. Yeah. Right. So what I'm hearing is it wasn't as welcoming as you would have wanted. You you were sort of questioned, not about your business, not about your innovation, but more about you as representing China, right? Exactly. Like no one even bothered, like for three days, people doesn't remember my name. So that reflecting a lot of things on the business I did, the, the career planning I had, and it, it's just all of a sudden become a question called me and myself. Am I having them aligned? Like, have I never thought about that? Yeah. Well, maybe I should, at this point, introduce what you were doing for people who did not hear your episode. Yeah. So at that time, you were the CEO of a, a product innovation company, right? Yes. And when you talked about the things you did, it was things like a telescope and things like a, a new way of doing candy floss. Like like robotic and delivery system, things that was like, I'm going to change the way of a lot of things. Right. Yeah. But uh, I think because of the APEC, that was the first time in my life I thought it was like, what other thing I did could benefit myself. So after Chile, I did sit down with my partner and my investors or the advisors to tell them maybe it's a time to make a change. And I didn't know where the change would go, but it's definitely not going to be the same direction. So there are different opinions, but I'm quite lucky. I got my business partner very supportive and he understand like for years, I've been working 20 hours in the office, never thought about having my own life. I barely see friends and quickly just long story short, um, we decide to close the company. And yeah, and after that, there are a period of time I tried different companies. So um, yeah, like a big update is like I got uh, assigned with one of the very amazing innovation firm here. It's called What If. What If, right? Yes, What If. Yes, I've heard of that. It's a really. It's an innovation part of Accenture, right? Yes, it's a really great team. And then after the, the battling through of the year, there's just something I really want to dedicate to work on and let's say heal the past and then really open up a new future. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And this reminds me of our episode as well, because when we talked on that episode, like the first five minutes straight was you talking about how you had got to the journey of becoming an innovation CEO. Yeah. And you had already gone through many reinventions. So I'm almost not surprised that you were about ready to do another reinvention. <laughs> I'm like, I think this thing evolved. It it started to work even faster. Like I rebuilt a new routine. I got up early. I start to work early and go to gym. I adjust my diet. I realized like there are so many things in life you gain, you lost. There are so many problem issues you have to face and you're struggling when the time happens, but there's nothing better than you feel you're still having yourself 
That is amazing. It's more amazing than I was chosen to represent a country to go to a conference. Yes, isn't it funny? And I think many people during COVID have gone through a similar transformation where they thought the things that you really thought were important before. Yeah. You realize, no, no, your health, your family, your friends, your connections, those are what's important, right? Yes. And um, I was writing the review of 2020. And interesting thing is, I don't remember any of the bad time. I don't right. remember any of the days I was struggling, don't know what to do. All I remember was the days like friends come to my house to support me because they don't want me to stay by myself. I remember seeing you on the street. I was just laughing, give you a hug. Everything I remember is happiness. Yeah. I think we are wired to not think about the troubles of the past. It's been such a, a, an interesting period. And most people have gone through some kind of change. Yeah. But yours is, is quite dramatic. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, as my life always be. <laughs> um, so just to wrap up this conversation, um, the person who you recommended in the end couldn't uh, be part of the yes, podcast. Yes, yes. But I found a really good replacement. I think you'll be happy with who we found. Yes. And I'm going to be releasing this conversation at the end of that episode. So. Oh, wow. You will have this some kind of connection with the season two. Oh, wow. And I hope that you and I will also stay in touch in the future. For sure. For sure. Let's do it.